there, Hurly Burly fam. It's Aubrey here, letting you know that we've received some emails from you all saying that some of our streaming services that provide the Hurly Burly Shakespeare show to you are only providing the most recent five episodes, which sucks. But until we figure that situation out, you can always catch every single one of our episodes at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned. This podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern variety. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice you can make. Don't say we didn't warn you. And in Q the once, <laughs> it is, uh, I'm going to go with B4 Verso is the page signature (laughs) that's not helpful to me when i'm using internet shakespeare editions right um Uh, would it be uh, it's sort of the middle i mean it's some it's somewhere in act one anyway it's not before it's like c something uh, uh i think it's c c1 verso this is still not helpful for you because you're on no. a goddamn computer no uh it's after mm-hmm. i don't know what it's after the nurse well, talks a bunch it, sure it would have to be in act one right i don't so, think it's in act one the queen map speech it has to be because it's before it the it's be? before the balcony scene like that that happens in the play all right well this is not divided into acts and scenes so okay well here it is i found it it is act one scene four Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. I don't. I don't know. My name isn't just as conducive as yours it's for some reason. You to have like two to doing that. Syllables, and I just have the one. You are correct. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I don't know. The eh sound is much more fun than the arbor sound. Anyway, well, um, you could change your name. So I could. Problem solved. Not gonna. <laughs> uh, but together, <laughs> together we are Hamlet. Still doesn't sound right. Uh, and this week, you didn't. It's, it would be Hamlet, not Hamlet. Oh. That's fucking weird. Why are you fucking I, weird? Hamlet. <laughs> sure, that's I'm also just, weird. Yeah, I know. Okay, fine. And this week, uh, we're talking Romeo and Juliet at the 301 level, super advanced. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you enjoy this show and come back for more. Yeah. Things are different at 301 level for the 301 level episodes. It's different from the last time we did a 301. It'll probably be different the next time we do a 301 because in 301s, we talk about whatever the fuck we want. Uh, 101 episodes give you an overview of the play. 201s explore a couple of topics from a close reading. 301s are, as I said, about whatever the fuck we want. Um, this means that uh, because we want 301s to be like hyper-focused on that one thing, we're not going to include some of our normal features like the rhetorical device of the week, which we're not even doing anyway because it's season three, and burbage breaks or games or anything like that. We also operate on the assumption that you know the play, so 
know the play. Uh, however, if for whatever reason the plot of Romeo and Juliet is foreign to you, and if it is, uh, how did you get here? Um, but if it is, you can go listen to some other episodes that we did on it. We There's a 101 and a 201. They're both in season one. They're great. Well, yep. the first one might not be great, but the second, the 201 is definitely great. Yeah. But the first I, one. I think, yeah, the, the it was 101 like our third is, episode ever. Or yeah. Some shit. It's very, very early yeah. in our experience. Oh, and that's so. the one with the really, it's got really bad sound. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. You might want to like redo that one someday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Be like Taylor Swift and re record our masters. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, we owe it to the people to have a, a good sound in our mm. R&J episodes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, in general, we want to use 301 level episodes to explore a single aspect of the play under discussion. And this week, we're going to talk about Q1 variations in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. Did you think Hamlet was the only play that had significant Q1 variations? Well, you would be wrong. So we're going to talk about the quarto variations in Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, so what are we looking at first? What are we diving into first? So and would it would it be beneficial to, to recap briefly... Um, what we mean yeah, when we say it. textual variations and quartos and folios and stuff. Do we want to go sure. over that? Um, okay. Yeah. So this is when there are competing authoritative in air quotes, uh, versions of the same play. So the, I mean, the famous go-to example is the three texts of Hamlet, right? Where the, to be or not to be speech gets rendered differently in all three of them. Um, mm-hmm. But most notably in Q1, it's to be or not to be, I, there's the point, or that's the point. I, there's the point. There's yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super different than what most people know that line as. Uh, so that's what we mean. Um, where do these variations come from? Well, who can fucking say? Probably they come from no, there's no probably. Sometimes they might come from uh, Shakespeare himself. Um, you know, the, the plays were living documents um, in in performance. You know, uh, someone, some famous actor maybe wrote a famous book. It's called Different Every Night because that's what live theater is. It's different every night, even if you're working with the same text. Um, mm-hmm. So, sh- you know, shit happens and changes and so maybe something was working in performance and maybe it wasn't um and so it got changed or um maybe some certainly some of the variations uh are introduced in the print house by the scribes or the compositors um those are usually less substantive and more like punctuational or spelling um Mm -hmm. maybe some lines get transposed but they're not really going to affect story or character very much. Um, and then the, the, um, theory that I think has mostly fallen by the wayside these days is that of memorial reconstruction, which is what Q1 RNJ and Q1 Hamlet and Q1 Titus maybe, um, are supposed to have been for 
100 years or more because they are much shorter and very different and uh, have been seen traditionally by white men as deficient in some way. They're called the bad quartos. Um, and this is supposed to have been because um, they, they were created by a number of actors or an actor who you know, knew the play was in the play and then just sort of like recited the whole play for a scribe who then took it to a compositor. And that's why it's like missing shit and shit's wrong and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know that that theory holds much water, if any, anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is the quick and dirty of Jess Hamlet extemporaneously speaking about textual variations when she was not planning to. So I feel like Sorry. most of that was um, probably pretty accurate. So don't yeah. at me, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I just think it's helpful to, you know, refresh people's memories of what we mean. And, and, and of course, on a, just a very technical level, quartos were single printings of a single play, whereas folios right ended up in and i don't no, know it, it has to do with the how the page is folded not yeah no contents. i know but like isn't a wasn't a folio printing typically reserved for like an anthology or a collection of works not a singular work in, uh, printed in folio mm, no for plays yeah i don't think there's any single well i don't i don't know um I can't speak to knowing any single play that is printed in folio off the top of my head. However, tons of books um, sure. were printed in folio sure. that are single text because sure. that's how yeah. books work. <laughs> yeah. So. And quartos and folios. Yeah. It's just about yeah, yeah. how many times the big piece of paper was folded. Yeah. Um, folios once, quartos twice. So. So. Yeah. Where are we going to kick it off? So where are we gonna, going to we're first? We're going to start with Queen Mab. Oh, Great. then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Um, Great. So. Ooh, already I see what's going on mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Queen Mab, let's 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 back up a little bit. Queen Mab. Oh, I see yeah. Queen Mab hath been with you. Uh, right. You know, it's it's rendered into immortality by Ben Affleck in the documentary Shakespeare in Love. Of course. Um, <laughs> fucking Ben Affleck. <laughs> Uh, it's a good speech, right? It's it's very it's good. It's good. Uh, it's your favorite speech, probably that your boy Mercutio does. Um, it's mm -hmm. like his big sort of shining moment before he has his death speech, and you know, plague on both your houses. That nonsense. Um, yep. And in Q one, um, it's uh, it's Benvolio who says it. Weird. Yeah. Um, do you want to read it? Sure. Sure. Okay, great. Um, can I get a bit of a lead in? Yes, right. Okay, so I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be Mercutio and Romeo. Awesome. <laughs> can you do voices? Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Romeo is gonna be romantic, and Mercutio is gonna be manly. Love it. I love okay. it. All right. So um, I dreamt a dream tonight, and so did I. Why? What was yours? That dreamers often lie. In a bed, asleep, while they do dream things true. Ah, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Queen Mab? What's she? She is the fairy's midwife, and doth come in shape no bigger than an agate stone, on the forefinger of a burgomaster. 
drawn with a team of little atomi, athwart men's noses while they lie asleep. Her wagon spokes are made of spinner's webs, the cover of the wings of grasshoppers. The traces are the moonshine watery beams, the collar's cricket's bones, the lash of films. Her wagoner is a small gray-coated fly, not so, not half so big as a little worm, as is a little worm, sorry. Picked from the lazy finger of a maid, and in this sort she gallops up and down through lovers' brains, and then they dream of love, or courtiers' knees who straight on curses dream. I'm looking at the old spelling, so I'm having a little fun. Or or ladies' lips who dream on kisses straight, which oft the angry mab with blisters plagues, because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted are. Sometimes she gallops o'er a lawyer's a lawyer's lap, and then he dreams of smelling out a suit and sometimes he comes comes she with a tithe pig's tail tickling a parson's nose that lies asleep and then dreams he of another benefice sometimes she gallops o'er a soldier's nose and then dreams he of cutting foreign throats of breaches ambuscados countermines of healths five fathom deep and then anon drums in his ear at which he starts and wakes and swears a prayer or two and sleeps again this is that mab that makes maids lie on their backs and proves them women of good carriage this is the very mab that plats the manes of horses in the night and plats the elf locks in foul sluttish hair which once untangled much misfortune breeds Except he doesn't say Mercutio. He just says peace, peace. That talks of nothing. Yeah. So also um, in Q1, this is rendered as verse. Yes. Um, in yes, Q2 and folio, when Mercutio says it, it's in prose. Weird. Yeah. Although, um, sorry, in I should specify in the, no, yeah, in Q2 and folio. So the early printings. Um, the Arden assigns it to Mercutio, like most people do. I've, I've never seen a Benvolio do it in performance, Me um, although I would love to. Uh, but the Arden also renders it in verse, which is interesting hmm. because no no early authoritative text gives it to Mercutio and puts it in verse. Um, Weird. I also, I wish I had said this before, but hey, listeners, <laughs> if you happen to have a text handy, what you should do is read along while Aubrey was reading that, um, yeah. because then you can you can see differences a little bit easier than yeah. hearing them. And there there are several. Um, mm -hmm. So perhaps maybe maybe now I'll give it a read. Um, sure. F from from the the. Well, from the Arden, which is based on Q2, I think. And maybe, maybe, maybe you can hear the differences. Maybe you can't. Um, but here they are. Okay. Uh, so Romeo says, in bed asleep while they do dream things true. And then Mercutio says, oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. She is the fairy's midwife and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman drawn with a team of little atomi over men's noses as they lie asleep. Her chariot is an empty hazelnut made by the joiner squirrel or old grub, time out of mind the fairy's coachmakers, her wagon spokes made of long spinner's legs, 
the cover of the wings of grasshoppers, her traces of the smallest spider web, her collars of the moonshine's watery beams, her whip of cricket's bone, the lash of film, her wagoner, a small gray-coated gnat, not half so big as a round little worm, pricked from the lazy finger of a maid. And in this state she gallops night by night through lovers' brains, and then they dream of love, on courtiers' knees that dream on curtsies straight, or lawyers' fingers who straight dream on fees, or ladies' lips who straight on kisses dream, which oft the angry mab with blisters plagues, because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted are. Sometimes she gallops o'er a courtier's nose, and then dreams he of smelling out a suit, and sometimes comes she with a tithe pig's tail, tickling a parson's nose as he lies asleep. Then he dreams of another benefice. Sometimes she driveth o'er a soldier's neck, and then he and then dreams he of cutting foreign throats, of breeches, ambuscados, Spanish blades, of healths five fathom deep, and then anon drums in his ear, at which he starts and wakes, and being thus frightened, swears a a prayer or two, and sleeps again. This is that very Mab that plates the manes of horses in the night, and bakes the elf locks in foul sluttish hairs, which once untangled much misfortune bodes. This is the hag when maids lie on their backs, that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Peace, peace, Mercutio, peace. Thou talkst of nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's some yeah. some subtle differences and some not subtle differences. The yeah. most important difference, I think you might agree, is who says it. Mm-hmm. Right? So in my um, headcanon of the play and of, of all of Shakespeare's plays, Benvolio is the Horatio of this play. He's solid. Yeah. He's steady. He doesn't say a whole lot. And Mercutio gets to showboat and Hamlet gets to showboat. Mm-hmm. Um, and Benvolio and Horatio sort of just, you know, keep on chugging. Um, but what if Benvolio got to say this? Yeah. So fucking interesting. Like that is a fucking choice that gives a little extra dimension, I think, to yeah. um, to Benvolio and and you know, maybe takes away something from Mercutio, but also maybe doesn't because he's so charismatic already. So, yeah, well, and I, I find it interesting, too, that in Q1, there's a question there at the top of it. Like Benvolio says, Queen Mab, what's she? Mm-hmm. And then he answers his own question. Yeah. But Mercutio is the one who bring Queen brings Queen Mab up in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm imagining this being played out on stage. Right. And like. How how is Benvolio picking up what Mercutio is putting down? Like, are they? Is this an in joke that they've shared before? I like, hope it is. I want know? it to be like a one two Abbott and Costello kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, are they are they playing off of each other to to mess with Romeo? Like, I don't even know. It's 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 very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it completely fucks with how I envision Benvolio. Because like you Mm -hmm. said, I've always seen him as like, Mm -hmm. I mean, even his name suggests, right, Benvolio. um, What what does it suggest? Well, like as opposed to Malvolio, like Benvolio means like good intentions. Yeah, Yeah, that that he's good, that he's generally good. And not that this speech would to show him to be bad, but like it, um, it gives him a little more spice, a little more... I don't know, a little more something, something um, to to have this kind of imagination and to conjure up 
these images that usually we give to Mercutio. Um, and it seems more f- feels it feels more fitting with Mercutio, mostly because everybody favors Q2. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like having Benvolio come up with this, it's it's he's that's like a different aspect of the guy who's like in a few scenes earlier, what's wrong, Romeo? Oh, talk to me, bro. Like, oh, you're in love. Okay. You know what I mean? Like being the nice, like, listener, good friend. He also, I don't know, spits out these sick rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm not trying to make any kind of argument about it either one way or the other, yeah. but I do think it's fucking interesting. And I think... um you know, it goes to show perhaps why choosing a text matters, why why your base text, your copy yeah. text matters, because because of these variations, right? And if we yeah. want to say, you know, because it's the Q1 RNJ uh, is no longer considered the bad quarto in scare quotes. It's just what it is. Um, and, you know, and our friend Molly Ceramet has a, a theory that Q1 Hamlet is way more performative and was written um, perhaps specifically for performance and then Q2 and Folio are sort of uh, elongated for like maybe reading. Right. This, I think, you know, in Q1, you're getting your two hours traffic of the stage for sure. Like no way this goes longer than two hours. It's tight. It's quick. It hits all the high notes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, Benvolio gets to talk about Queen Mab. So, like, yeah. isn't that fun and exciting? Yeah. I, I also wonder if it isn't a compositor error, though. Because, like, if you look at, first of all, you know, Mercutio says, Ah, oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. And mm-hmm. then Benvolio a- asks and answers his own question at the top of that speech. Then you go all the way down to Romeo's line, Peace, peace, thou talkst of nothing. And Mercutio picks it up. And says, true, I talk of dreams, which are the children of an idle brain, begot of nothing but vain fantasy, blah, 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 blah. So, like, Mercutio has the line of, yeah, that's what I've been talking about. Except it wasn't him talking about it. It was Benvolio in this text, which I find super weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's entirely possible that that is is a compositor error. I don't. I don't know if there's scholarship on that. Um, right. Or like playwright error or, or somebody's error. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, it's probably compositor error. Let's, I mean, well, yeah. I don't know. It might not be. Fucking, I don't know. I don't want to make any statements because I don't know anything. I don't have a time machine. <laughs> um, however, mm-hmm. uh, Mercutio saying after the thing, you know, true, I talk of dreams, blah, blah, blah. Because he has been talking about dreams before Benvolio gets the speech, mm. you know, it could be a callback to that. Also, um, I think it's consistent with Mercutio's character to sort of take up uh, an argument that his friend was making and continue sure. it, you know, as if it were his. Yeah. So it could be error, could be not, um, you know, performance yeah. choices. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely playable yeah no matter what you do with it it's it's playable and then then it almost becomes like a two on one Mm -hmm. you know both Mm -hmm. of these guys like getting on romeo's case about which about why he's been down in the dumps (laughs) right yeah yeah so yeah definitely definitely playable um Uh, super interesting should we move on to the next one yes okay so now we're we're going to talk about juliet 
Oh yeah, we're going to Act Four to the to the sexy speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is in Act Four, isn't it? Or is it Act Three? It's I don't I don't know where it is. It's after. Um, oh, it's in Act Three. It's after Tibble dies. That's all I got. After Tibble dies. Oh wait, 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 wait. There Maybe are no act, act scene divisions in Q one. Damn it. It's on F three verso. That's not helpful. I don't know why it's not helpful. Page signatures are fucking helpful. Uh, um, for those who don't know what a gem of a resource the Internet Shakespeare editions are, yeah. um, that's the text I'm using today. So it's internetshakespeare.uvic.ca. We've um, talked about it on the podcast before. We have. Yeah, I did a burbage break on it. You right. I so think. anyway, well, just to call them out again, then um, it's a really, really awesome resource. Yeah, um, they're fucking great. For texts like for texts like Hamlet, you could pull up the digital text of Hamlet and then see like all the variations on one page. Right now, I've got like Q one and Q two like on different open on different tabs, so I can toggle between them. Um, but but it is it is very cool for that. It's Tybalt dies, fight Tybalt falls, enter citizens, enter Prince Capulet's wife, and it's like a page after that. Tis torture and not mercy. Burp, burp, burp. There we go. Will you? So this is the gallop of pace speech. This is Juliet mm-hmm. getting excited to fucking have a little fucking. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Will you read this speech? Yes, for Q one. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great. Um. Yep. Here we go. Gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds, to Phoebus' mansion. Such a wagoner as Phaeton would quickly bring you thither, thither, and send in cloudy night immediately. But how now, nurse? Oh, Lord, why looks thou sad? What hast thou there? The cords? The end. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's it. Uh, how's... <laughs> How's that for uh, it's not a, sexy at all. a teenage girl getting excited to fuck for the first time? Damn it. Right? Not. Yeah, no good. So the very first no time bueno. that I ever encountered this text was I, like three weeks into our first year of grad school oh, yeah? um, when the MFAs, question mark, did a staged reading of Q1. Um, oh. And I went... And I was like, why are there so many second years here? Because I didn't understand how things worked. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so whoever was reading Juliet came out and did this speech, which sidebar is maybe the first Shakespeare monologue that I ever like really, really learned back and forth, upwards and downwards. Yeah. And still um, occasionally, if I can't fall asleep, I will say this speech to myself in my head. Oh, um, so bless. I know it pretty well, and uh, it ain't four lines, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's what it ain't. So, <laughs> um, why don't you read it one more time, and then uh-huh. I'll read the Arden slash Q two version. Yes, great. Gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds, to Phoebus' mansion. Such a wagoner as Phaeton would quickly bring you thither and send in cloudy night immediately. But how now, nurse? Oh, Lord, why looks thou sad? What hast thou there? The cords? Great. So here we go for the other version. Yes. 
Gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds, towards Phoebus' lodging. Such a wagoner as Phaeton would whip you to the west and bring in cloudy night immediately. Spread thy close curtain, love-performing night, that runway's eyes may wink, and Romeo leap to these arms, untalked of and unseen. Meow. I know. Lovers can see to do their amorous rites by their own beauties, or, if love be blind, it best agrees with night. Come, civil knight, thou sober-suited matron all in black, and learn me how to lose a winning match played for a pair of stainless maidenhoods. Hood my unmanned blood, baiting in my cheeks with thy black mantle, till strange love grow bold. Think true love acted simple modesty. Come, night. Come, Romeo. Come, thou day in night, for thou wilt lie upon the wings of night, whiter than new snow upon a raven's back. Come, gentle night, come, loving, black-browed night, give me my Romeo. And... When I shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night and pay no worship to the garish sun. Oh, I have bought the mansion of a love, but not possessed it, and though I am sold, not yet enjoyed. So tedious is this day, as is the night before some festival, to an impatient child that hath new robes and may not wear them. Oh, here comes my nurse, and she brings news, and every tongue that speaks but Romeo's name speaks heavenly eloquence. Now, nurse, what news? What hast thou there? The cords that Romeo bid thee fetch? Hmm. Aye, 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 the cords. So, uh, you see. I do, it's yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's so much longer. It's so much longer, and it's so, so much, much more hornier. <laughs> so explicit. Come, 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 come. Night, 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 night. night, night. <laughs> yeah, homegirl yes. is ready to get laid. Yeah, um, she can get it. She can, and she does. She does. And then she dies. Um, spoilers. <laughs> so. <laughs> what? <laughs> So the the effect that this single speech has on Juliet's character is, I think, not inconsequential. Yeah. Um, the and and aside from giving some dimension to Juliet herself, the extended speech I think also offers a little bit more world building mm-hmm. um, than just oh Phoebus and Phaeton and. And oh, look, my nurse. That's it. That's what we got. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, without this speech, we don't have, aside from the Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo, we don't have a Juliet. No. She's just a a moonish girl. Yeah. Um, She's got so much more depth (laughs) with this speech. Yeah. Um, I think... This is maybe slightly controversial, but but I'm not afraid of being controversial. (laughs) Um, I think Q1 is Romeo. Mm. And Q1, or Q2, and so on, is Romeo and Juliet. But Q1 is just Romeo. That is is what that play is. Mm. That is Romeo's story, and Juliet is a plot device, not a character. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Does that hold water? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, mean I, you now know, it's nuanced and complicated, of course, but yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, but now I'm curious, and I'm going back to Q1 to look at the balcony mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's look at that. Because Where I, I want to see... Uh, it is two two in, in Q one. What's oh, the page signature? D. D. Oh, that's useful. Yeah, way to go, Internet Shakespeare editions. At some point, coming in clutch. <laughs> they, sometimes it ends up in the folio transcript in the um, quarto transcriptions. So it's D between D and D two. Uh, great. Okay, so I've got. Yeah, it starts with Romeo. He jests at scars that never felt a wound. It starts there. Yeah. Do you want to read it or no? Or I don't know how different it is from. Yeah, me either. (laughs) Should we read it? Let's read it. Let's fucking read it. Sure. Do you want to be? Yeah. Let's read Q one. Um, I I don't care. Do would you? Do you have a preference? No. Um, all right. Well, why don't why don't you be? You know what? Fucking, I've been Juliet. Why don't I be Romeo? Okay. And you can be Juliet. Works for me. Okay. Here so you go. said you're gonna read I'm Romeo. I'm gonna read okay. Romeo. Here I go. So he just okay. at scars that never felt a wound. Blah blah blah. It's Mercutio has just left. But soft, what light forth yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise. Fair sun, that's what that says. And kill yeah. the envious moon that is already sick and pale with grief. That thou her maid art far more fair than she, be not her maid since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but pale and green and none but fools do wear it. Cast it off! She speaks, but she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourseth. I will answer it. I am too bold, tis not to me she speaks. Two of the fairest stars in all the skies, having some business, do smudge her eyes. Entreat. Entreat. (laughs) All I have is a smudge. Uh, (laughs) To twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if her eyes were there? They in her head, the brightness of her cheeks would shame those stars. As daylight doth a lamp, her eyes in heaven would through the airy, airy region stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. Oh, now she leans her cheeks upon her hand. I would Mm. I were the glove to that same hand that I might kiss that cheek. I mean, she speaks. Oh, speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night being over my head as is a winged messenger of heaven unto the white upturned woundering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy pacing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. Ah, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt not, be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Shall I hear more, or shall I speak to this? Tis but thy name that is mine enemy. What's Montague? It is nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, so Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain the divine perfection he owes. Without that title, Romeo, part thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all I have. I take thee at thy word. Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Mm. Henceforth, I never will be Romeo. Knock it off. Sorry. <laughs> Call me but love. I can't help it. 
What man art thou that thus bescrinned in night does stumble on my counsel? By a name I know not how to tell thee. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. Oh, had I it written... Page turn. Mm -hmm. Had I it written, I would tear the word. My ears have not yet drunk a hundred words of that tongue's utterance, yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo and a Montague? Neither, fair saint, if either thee displease. Ooh. How camest thou mm -hmm. hither? Tell me, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art, if any of my kinsmen find thee here. By love's light wings did I o'erperch these walls, for stony limits can, cannot hold love out, and what love can do that dares love attempt? Therefore thy kinsmen are no let to me. Weird. If they do find thee, they will murder thee. Alas, there lies more peril in thine eyes than twenty of their swords. Look thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. I would not for the world they should find thee here. I have knight's cloak to hide thee from their sight, and but thou love me, let them find me here, for life were better ended by their hate than death. Prorogued. Prorogued. Yeah. Prorogued. It's whatever <laughs> Parliament is doing. <laughs> <laughs> wanting of thy love. Then death prorogued wanting of thy love. By whose directions foundst thou out this foundst thou out this place? By love, who first did prompt me to inquire Looks like I I, I he, he I he gave me counsel, okay. maybe? Yep, I he yeah, it's but it's like the letter I right, not yeah. like why? Yeah. Right. So you can see why I'm confused. Yes. Uh, by love, who first did prompt me to inquire, I he gave me counsel, and lent, sent, lent him, and I lent him eyes. Lent him eyes, and I. Okay, great. It's smudged again. Uh, I am no pilot, yet wert thou as far as that vast shore, not whore, <laughs> as that vast nope. shore washed with the fur furthest sea I would adventure for such merchandise. Thou knowst the mask of night is on my face, else would a maiden blush bepaint my cheeks. For that which thou hast heard me speak tonight, fain would I dwell on form. Fain, fain deny what I have spoke. But farewell, compliments. Dost thou love me? Nay, I know thou wilt say I, and I will take thy word. But if thou swearest, thou mayst prove false." At lovers' perjuries, they say Jove smiles. Ah, gentle Romeo, if thou love, pronounce it faithfully. Or, if thou think I am too easily won, I'll frown and say thee nay and be perverse, so thou wilt woo, but else not for the world. In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond, and therefore thou mayst think my havior light. But trust me, gentlemen, I'll prove more true than they that have more cunning to be strange." I should have been strange, I must confess, but thou, but that thou or hurtst me ere I was ware, my true love's passion, therefore pardon me, and not impute this yielding to light love, which the dark night hath so discovered. By yonder blessed moon, I swear, that tips with a silver all these fruit trees tops. Oh, swear not by the moon, the unconstant moon that Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that monthly changes in her circled orb, least that thy love prove likewise variable. Now by... Nay, do not swear at all, or if thou swear, swear by thy glorious self, which art the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. 
If my true heart's love... Swear not at all, though I do joy in thee. I have small joy in this contract tonight. It is too rash, too sudden, too unadvised. Too like the lightning that doth cease to be ere one can say it lightens. I hear some coming. Dear love, adieu. Sweet Montague, be true. Stay but a little and I'll come again. Oh, blessed, blessed night. I fear be night. All this is but a dream I hear and see. Too flattering, true to be substantial. Three words, Romeo, and good night indeed. If that thy bent of love be honorable? Question Question mark? mark? (laughs) Thy purpose, marriage, send me word tomorrow by one that I'll procure to come to thee. Where and what time thou wilt perform the right, and and all my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay, and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Love goes towards love like schoolboys from their books, but love from love to school with heavy looks. Romeo, Romeo, oh, for a Faulkner's voice to lure this tassel gentle back again. Bondage is hoarse and may not cry aloud, else would I tear the cave where Echo lies and make her airy voice as hoarse as mine with repetition of my Romeo's name. Romeo! It is my soul that calls upon my name. How silver sweet sound... Lovers' tongues in night. How Romeo? So sweet sound lovers' tongues in night. Romeo? <laughs> at, <Madam? one> o- <laughs> at one o'clock tomorrow shall I send? At the hour of nine. I will not fail. Tis twenty year till years till then. Romeo, I have forgot why I did call thee back. Let me stay here till you remember it. I shall forget to have thee still stay here, remembering how I love thy company. And I'll stay still to have thee still forget, forgetting at the other home but this. "'Tis almost morning. I would have thee gone, but yet no further than a wanton's bird who lets it hop a little from her hand like a poor prisoner in his twisted jives, and with a silk thread pulls it back again, too loving, jealous of his liberty. "'Would I were thy bird?' "'Sweet, so would I. Yet I should kill thee with too much cherishing. Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow.' Sleep dwell upon thine eyes, peace on thy breast. I would that I were sleep and peace of sweet to rest. Now will I to my ghostly father's cell, his help to crave and my good hap to tell. Okay. So not like huge differences. No, but definitely some subtle differences. Yeah. Yeah. Some word shifts, like Mm -hmm. some pronoun shifts. Um, Mm -hmm. Where was the one I saw? Oh, yeah. Uh, So... In Q2, the part where Romeo says, I have night's cloak to hide me from their eyes. Mm -hmm. In this one, he says, I have night's cloak to hide thee from their eyes, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or hide thee from their sight, which, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, my, my sort of pet angst about this whole field is like can't sometimes things just be interesting like why do we always have to say like here's the so what of my work and here are the stakes and this is why it matters but like this this is just fucking interesting and it's my podcast so it can just be interesting (laughs) and we don't have to have arguments about it so suck it haters (laughs) um but isn't that interesting? Isn't all of this that we have done interesting? Yeah. Aren't you interested? Yeah. But I but I do find, you know, going back to my point and why I wanted to look at this scene at all mm-hmm. was that it fundamentally Juliet says basically the same stuff in this scene yep. as in the Cordo. Um, yep. I mean, except accepting the one little dirty joke here that in Q2, I believe, is 
it is nor hand nor foot nor arm nor face nor any other part belonging part to, belong a man, to a man uh-huh. which in this version she does not say she just no, says just any nor other any other part um yeah. yeah so so other than that though like it it does kind of desexualize her Mm-hmm. Um, leaving that out Especially again. Especially with the gallop of pace, yeah. Right, yeah. And then yeah. she's even less sexual in when Which, we get to that later scene. I mean, frankly, she's 13. Sure. So I'm okay with a less sexy sure. Juliet. But also, it's less interesting. Especially yeah. because in what modern production has Juliet ever been played by a 13-year-old ever? Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably one out there somewhere, but, you know, usually <laughs> Yeah, she's... in a middle school somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she's, what, yeah, 22, 26, maybe 30. Right, yeah, yeah. <sighs> you know, maybe 18. Yeah, but... so I, um, I, I do find it interesting that in this earlier Cordo, she is, it, it's consistent in that way, mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it takes away all of her urges, which, as yep. we've talked about, on other episodes is important i think to juliet yeah um yeah and yeah. it gives her it gives her more depth so um to to have those feelings yeah so, that was fun yeah. reading that yeah i think we should do more of that also hey listeners if you thought that was shitty and we shouldn't do more of that let us know <laughs> or if you liked it and think we should do more of it yeah yeah Tell let us also <laughs> let us know we'd be happy to oblige yeah or at least i would yeah. i i love reading this stuff so yeah, also i, I mean like you it. talk about you know the gallop of pace speech being the one that mm-hmm. you memorized like one of the first things you memorized mm-hmm. the fucking balcony scene was the thing i memorized when i was 13 oh yeah 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 in the seventh grade i memorized uh Oh yeah, but soft. What I light. just yeah, I, I, I just hung out now. in my room and memorized all of Juliet's speeches from that scene. So Nerd. like, I know, I know. Okay, <laughs> I am aware. I am very aware. Nerd. Yeah. Well, I didn't have very many friends, so <laughs> nerd. Maybe it's because you were spending too much time with Shakespeare. You yeah. Nerd. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot kettle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Should we gossip a little bit and get yes. the fuck out of here? Yes, we shall. Um, yeah. So the, uh, what is it? Biannual Blackfriars Conference is coming back around in just a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Blackfriars Conference. You remember that? It's the, it's an academic conference, uh, like a, a small percentage of the size of SAA. Nowhere near as large. Oh, it's like 10% the size. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, and it's, it really tries to get at the, the intersection between um, performance theory and literary theory, kind of trying to get at bringing scholars and actors into the same room to talk about like staging these ideas. Uh, and there are some... Uh, there's an interesting new feature at the, this conference this time, which is it's in the staging sessions. But the whole point of the staging sessions in the conference this time is to convince uh, to convince us, the American Shakespeare Center, why we should perform a particular early modern play on our stage. So, uh, and you're making a face, but I think it's going to be cool. Making a face. I, I think, think it's going to be cool. Like professors are going to come in. They already they're going to pitch some plays of like underdone or uh, lesser known early modern plays not not Shakespeare but early modern plays um, and talk about why they might be interesting to stage in our space all right you'll have to let me know how it goes I mean I'm skeptical but 
You have to let me know how it I goes. I mean, but what's to be skeptical about, though? It just seems like it's a fun it, thing to do. Yeah, it does seem like it's a fun thing to do. It doesn't seem like it's an advancing knowledge thing to do, which to me is the point of a conference. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, if you if you consider plays as performative texts and what you can learn from them by performing them, then pitching a play to be performed so that we can learn from it seems to me productive. Well, I mean, let me know how it goes. You know, I I won't be there, so right. I'll be interested yeah. to hear about it. So anyway, that that is coming. Uh, yep. Blackfriars is coming. So what's next? Uh, Superfan Nick Helms. What up, Superfan Nick Helms? Uh, full disclosure: Superfan Nick Helms is one of my colleagues here at UA, and I'm having lunch with him tomorrow. Oh, great. Um, he slid into my DMs, as the kids say. Uh, today he had just listened to our much ado episode from way back on the, at the beginning of season three, some uh-huh. number of episodes ago now, um, just to say <laughs> that as far as he knows, uh, the much ado John, Don John rebellion against Don Pedro is only supported by that one Arden footnote that I bird walked into. Oh, weird. Yeah, it is only that's the only place it ever is a thing is in that footnote in the mm. Arden. Um, I'm now interested to know if it's in the Arden two as well as yeah. the Arden three and if it will make it into the Arden four. Um, but I don't know who's editing much ado for the Arden four. So I can't ask. Yeah. Well, and if that theory only appears in that one footnote, where did <laughs> where, where did, did it the, come from? Where did the editor of the Arden three <laughs> arrive yeah. at that conclusion to make that footnote? That's a mystery wrapped know, right? in an enigma. Super interested. Weird. Um, so that's what Superfan Nick Helms had to say. We've also got one final bit of gossip, which is more like a correction. Um, uh, last week, our All's Well That Ends Well podcast, we had very few All's Well productions to announce that were coming your way in 2020. And uh, speaking of, you know, sliding into our DMs, uh, the Baltimore Shakespeare Factory slid into our Insta DMs to let us know that they will be doing a, a an All's Well production in uh, the summer of 2020. So thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for allowing us to correct that and then throw some publicity your way. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you leave this podcast more informed than when you started. Tune in next week for another super awesome, great Thomas Middleton classic, Chase Made in Cheapside 101. Yeah. I fucking love Chase Made. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh my God. Okay. All right. I can't. I'm going to need to revisit it. It's been a while. I I think I saw it when Turning Glass did it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I need to, I need to revisit the text. Reacquaint myself. It's so fucking fun. It's very silly. I remember that. Remember that it's real silly. Anyway. Whamlet out. Whamlet out. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes and other fun stuff, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Yeah, get in touch with us. Tell us what you're working on and thinking about. Email us at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or at hurlyburlyshake, no S, on Twitter. The Hurlyburly Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jess Hamlet. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent.
Uh, nope, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't there some movie where some English teacher raps this? But I'm thinking of 10 Things I Hate About You, and you it's are. a sonnet. Yeah. yeah. It's not <laughs> It's not this. Um, but, like, it would be a good rap. So, 